Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Al and Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Al and Jerry's post-game podcast. All right, welcome to the podcast. Jerry Recco is out sick today, so Eddie Scazzeri joins me. Oh, hi there, Eddie. Hello, podcast people. I wrote down a number of items I wanted to get your opinion on. Already? Uh, the, the sort of mysteries of life okay. type of uh, things that I wanted to get your opinion on. And uh, we'll go through them. Uh, number one, do you think dreams are anything? Like, where do you think our dreams come from? Um, they come from little fragments of things that probably we're not even aware of, little triggers throughout the day that will trigger some corner of your memory, and then that'll express itself in a dream. Um, Do you believe in any of these things where they go like, uh, if you dream your teeth falls out, it means blank? No, I do not. You don't buy into any of those things? Dream interpretation? Yeah, no, I don't. I think if you have some sort of a trauma and then you have a recurring nightmare, yes, I mean, that's, but there's a source for that. Correct. But like, if like you dream of butterflies, that means, you know, you're going to eat bologna on Thursday. No. Yeah. That I do not believe. Yeah. There's certain ones, like I brought up the one about the teeth where there's like, if your teeth fall out in your dream, it means something. And it's like a very specific thing that it Mm -hmm. means. But, like, how how are they putting those two things together? Yeah, that I, yeah, that I don't buy. But I do believe that there are sources for things like a recurring nightmare. Yeah. You know, you had a trauma in your life. For sure. If you're predisposed to believe a certain thing, then you'll have a a dream and then you will interpret it because of that. But I, I don't. I don't hold in. I don't think it holds any water. And how do you suppose, like, you'll have a dream sometimes where someone randomly from your past, mm-hmm. it could not, it might not even be a significant person from right. your past, it all of a sudden shows up in a dream. Right. That's what I was talking about, those little triggers in your life that you don't even, are not consciously aware of, but your brain with its, you know, who knows what the storage capacity truly is, and how much of your life experiences are just buried and stored there that you don't even, aren't even aware of. Yeah. Like someone that you haven't thought of since you last saw them when you were in seventh grade. 
but there was something that happened that day in your life that triggered something, and then it expresses itself in the dream. That's what my interpretation. I have no scientific basis for this at all, but... On a regular weekly basis, how often would you say you wake up and remember a dream you had at that moment? Because we know as the day goes on, we kind of forget them. I, I have, like, every morning, like, when the alarm goes off and I wake up, there, I, I, I'm conscious of it. But honestly, by the time I go and shut the alarm off, which is on the other side of the room purposely, so I have to get up, Yeah, it's gone. Because I don't, I don't immediately, I'm not, never got into the habit of doing a dream diary. Because ultimately I was like, well, what is this? I toyed with it once. Yeah. I think I did it for about two days. And then I'm like, you know, forget this. You ever have nightmares or not so oh, much? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I will have fever, you know, when I'm not feeling well. If I have a fever dream, those are pretty bad. And some of the worst dreams are when I'm uh, suffering. If I my sugar crashes during the night, those are bad. Because then I wake up and because of my hypoglycemia, and the state my brain is in, I don't know what is real. And that in itself is scary. Yes. That is, and then I will have occasionally dreams about like, you know, the end of all things. Like, really? Like the end of the universe. And, and what does that look like? In, uh, it, it's just, visually. It, it's like, you know, it's like everything is just flying apart and nothing means anything. And this is, Aside from those hypoglycemia things where I really have no idea what's going on. But it, and it's very disconcerting. And I wake up and like nothing means anything because everything is just gone. Yeah. And then I had a dream as a kid. I used to watch the Rockford Files. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Jim James, Rockford. Uh, yeah. James Garner, right? Was, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the um, actor. And. And I, at the time of my life, I guess I was still teetering on the. Uh, did I accept, you know, that there that uh, there was a God and heaven and hell and all that? And in this dream, it was I had died or something, but I'm not really died because you know that whole if you die in a dream, you really die, which I don't know if that's true. Um, but I was at the, you know, the the point in the afterlife where you're you either go up. Or you go down. This was in a dream? In a dream. And you could visually, like, you remember yes. this uh-huh. clearly? Okay. And then James Garner was the guy. He was the one who told you which way to go. Wow. And he just looked at me and pointed down. And I, I still, I'm still getting chills. All these years later, this is, I had to be eight, nine years old. And I never watched the Rockford Files again because I was terrified. Wow. James Garner. James Garner sent you to hell. Yes, he did. Eternal damnation. Was he behind a podium of some no, sort? No, he was just, I could still see his face. Just... He was just in his Rockford Files outfit, <laughs> shirt, open collar, 70s shirt, open collar, you know, jacket on. And the look he gave me, it was chilling. Did he still. vocally say something? No. Or he just no, no, was just like nodded or and, pointed down? Uh-huh. Yeah. And all these years, it was so vivid. For me, and li- like literally, my hair grows on my arms, <laughs> and that's weird and bizarre. Like, well, yeah, you know. but yeah, that that has stuck with me for now, close to fifty years. Right. Oh, I wish we could reach out to uh, James Rockford. I don't know if he's still with us. What was the not. actor's name again? I'm sorry, James Garner. James Garner about the Rockford and Files. Is he, is he 
the father of Jennifer Gar? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure of that. I just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it would have been great to tell him. Yeah, you sent Eddie to hell as yes. an eight year old, yeah, and you, you eternally damned me, and I never watched your show. Right, again. If and I loved the Rock. For yeah, a while. you lost the ratings. Now, what is your feeling now if you're skipping around and you see a Rockford Files episode? And now I'm okay, but like for like you know, I I wouldn't like I don't know. It, it probably hasn't held up. Yeah, but the theme is awesome. You know that was a that's a good song or good I don't instrumental rocker. One. You would know it is. It was an instrumental you... rocker. Uh huh. Well, I mean, mild rocker, like seventies upbeat. Oh, for sure. I was. Just I would know it if I heard it. Singing it before, but not yeah. doing a good job. <laughs> it was. Uh, what was a? Uh, it, it used to start with him, like you know, like a voice machine, the old tape voice machines, and people like calling his agency and leaving a message. He was a private eye. Yeah. Hmm. And he would help people. Yeah, whatever. You know, like a Magnum PI kind yeah. of thing. Now, a lot of times, people will see their dogs sleeping mm-hmm. and sort of either making a motion with their leg mm-hmm. or going, mm-hmm. and they go, ooh, the dog is dreaming. Yes. Do you think the dog is dreaming like we're dreaming, or do you think that's just involuntary muscle spasms that the dog's doing? I I, I and again, I don't have any scientific proof of this, and I don't know what the science says about yeah. it. I've never. How would we know, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, but I, as a dog owner, I hundred percent believe that dogs dream. Really, and whatever they're seeing, like cause sometimes it's sort of like a happy thing. You'll see their tail wag and their legs move as if they're running. And other times it's like they're like almost like fearful and crying. And then that's true. When that happens, I, I, if I'm there and aware of it, I'll I'll say, Hey, it's okay. You know, and I'll pet them and sort of wake them up a little bit. So they get out of that bad dream. But I do a hundred percent believe that they're dreaming. And I don't know if you've seen videos of, uh, of course, dog videos on the internet. There's only 8 billion. (laughs) Yes. Um, But there's one where a dog is dreaming. So, vividly apparently that he's running in his dream all of a sudden he gets up and from the sleep and is running and runs right into a wall because <laughs> he's still asleep i don't know if you've seen that i've not seen that one yeah, yeah i'm sure you could google dog yeah. dreaming video that is true about the where you see a dog is having a sad dream mm-hmm. yeah and they're sort of crying yeah making that dog cry sound and i'll just reach over and i'll like hey it's okay yeah, or if you've ever woken your dog up from a dream, it is dazed yeah. and confused like a human is. Yep. And and I will say that certain, like Cooper, of my three dogs now, he dreams the most. Like almost every time he's asleep. Like yeah. He's, something's going on. And Raymond is kind of less so, and then my oldest, Quail, hardly at all. She's just a very heavy sleeper. Yeah. And, yeah, now obviously they're you know, whatever images are flashing in their brain. I don't, you know, if there's like, is in our dreams, we hear things, people are speaking and things are said, but for a dog, I don't know what level the detail is at, but yeah, hundred percent. I believe they dream. Hmm. I wonder if whimsy ever dreams. She's at the dog track. Possibly. That'd be wild if I could figure that out. Yeah. Like, you know, if you, if, if, uh, you know, you let her see a rabbit and then, like, I don't even know if those mechanical rabbits look like rabbits. Yeah, or if they're they just chase. a fur ball that's moving. Oh, yeah, past. right. A, a, a piece of, 
you know, a, a metal box with yeah. fur on it. Right. I have no idea. I think they look like a, in the shape of a rabbit. Yeah, or if you just took her and, like, you know, you found out what they look like and you let her see one during the day, maybe that would, if it works the same as the way I think it might work for humans. Yeah. I wonder, like, what her reaction would be if I took her to a racetrack. Mm. If she would mm, yeah. recognize yeah. it or... I, I, I don't know how long they hold on to things. I, I've heard somewhere between two and four years for a dog. For memories? Memory-wise, yeah. So for, they could forget bad memories, you think? Well... If they had a traumatic yeah, uh, see, that, puppy to life? To me, I would be hesitant to bring her because it could... I'm sure it wasn't a pleasant existence when she was a race race dog. I, I don't know that. Yeah, it's weird. You hear two completely different things from mm-hmm. people that, that um, are greyhound uh, adopters you'll hear they were treated so great and then you'll hear they were treated so poorly well maybe it's a combination maybe yeah it's probably somewhere true. in the middle or maybe some places are really wonderful and some places are not yeah and maybe also depends on how the dog does so if it's a probably a dog that's winning a lot they would want to treat very well kind of like people <laughs> yeah yeah like people yeah and then if not so well yeah yeah who uh, cares about yeah. you <laughs> we can't use you to win cash right how about this one do you believe that we've had past lives that is an interesting one i i i i hold out the possibility that that is true not because i i believe in in a god but I do hold out the the a small hope that there is some essence to us that may survive death. Um, but and if that's the case, maybe there is some sort of a recycling program uh, for souls. So I, I don't I don't have a strong belief that that is the case, but. I I do hold out a very small percentage that that could be. And in that very small percentage, would you think that when you come back, you come back in a better situation, a worse situation, or totally random? Oh, like the karma, like with uh, the, the, um, I guess it would be um, the Hindu belief of reincarnation. Yeah. And, And if you did well, you come back in a higher station. But if you did bad... You come back in a poorer station and perhaps even as low as some sort of an animal. Like if um, you're a criminal in this life. Yeah. No, I, I, that I don't, I don't hold with that. Personally. Yeah. The, the one weird thing about past lives when people do, it's always like somebody famous. Like, no, you were most likely yeah. not a famous right. person. I would, like in that, uh, the, the, like that, uh, oh gosh, the movie with uh, Meryl Streep, uh, past, there was a past lives p- pavilion. I forget the name of the movie, and people will... The one with Albert Brooks? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck was that one called? And Defending he, Your Life. Yes, and he was, was just one. always some, like, Schlobini, <laughs> and she was Joan of Arc, like, <laughs> literally, and all these great things she did in her past yeah. life, and his was he was like a schlub. Do you think um, when, when people have deja vu, mm-hmm. is that a sign of a past life? No. See, I have looked into that because... Deja I, vu? Uh-huh. Because I had, I, you know, and people have it all the time. It's like 
you know, like if I'm looking at that and, and seeing you in this, like, oh my God, this exact thing is playing back in my brain. It's a memory. And I've read that it's actually a slight delay in left and right eye processing. And so to your brain, because it's a split second off, yeah. it appears as if you've seen all this before. Well, you kind of have, but it just happened. And it's just because there's a slight lag in the processing for whatever reason, little glitches in the processing of your left and right eye inputting to your brain. And it's like a nanosecond delay, but that's enough to make you have the feeling of deja vu. And that for me is like, because that would happen frequently to me and still does, you know, once every couple of weeks or maybe even more. And I just ignore it now because I understand what's going on. When it's not just deja vu, this is an exact copy of what I've, I've seen all this before. And that's because of that processing delay. But it's not like the general feeling of deja vu. Like, oh, this really looks familiar. Like that, you know, I think maybe other people have that and it just is something triggering in your brain, some memory. But that exact duplication of exact things, that is from that processing delay. What about this idea? I had a uh, communications teacher at Kane who said that he had visited the pyramids in Egypt and felt like he had been there before Mm -hmm. and was quite comfortable going up and down the pyramids where a lot of people, visitors, were struggling. Mm -hmm. And he had felt like he had been at those pyramids before when, in fact, he he hadn't. Well, I'm I'm sure he did feel that. And I don't know if he was a past life guy or He was a bit out there, this guy, I remember. Sure, I, I, I could... You know, I, I think you can talk yourself into any number of things. Um, and if he kind of wanted to believe that, and sure, I think he could absolutely 100% pass a lie detector, believe that. I don't think it's true. Again, that small part of me that maybe souls are recycled. But, um, and, and also think about it. Like back when the pyramids were built, there were probably... 500,000 people on the planet, maybe less than that. And now there's 8 billion. So that kind of doesn't lead me that, that that's a, would lead me not to believe the whole soul recycling thing. Right. Cause and, we, yeah, there's not enough people right, from the olden the, days. Think about the population of the earth in the, the, the turn of the 19th into the 20th century. You know, at nineteen hundred, how many people were on the planet? I would guess it would be less than a billion. And now there's eight billion and climbing. So again, that would go against that. Although it would increase your odds of being somebody famous, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right, if you're going way back, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I was Caesar. You know. Yeah, that's a that's a good point about the. Uh... The, the population mm-hmm. back then compared to now if we're recycling souls. Right. And I, yeah, let me see. Let me see. Earth population. I'll do a quick Google. Oh, a quick Google search. Earth. I can't type as fast as Jerry or you. The other funny thing about like the pyramids, we always just, I know I always did until I started watching Ancient Aliens. I always used to think the pyramids were just in Egypt. 
they're all over the world pyramids. Mm-hmm. So there were a billion people in 1900. Wow. I would have guessed less than that. Yeah, I would too. Right? All over the world? It seems like we were. We didn't have yeah, the technology. But, well, you know, but they, the world had shrunk a lot by that time. Yeah. Uh, but in 1760, so around the little before the founding of our country, there was less, there was about three quarters of a billion in 17, and now that we're approaching eight billion. Why did it take so long to find this country? Well, like Italy is so old. Well, okay, think about where our species started was in Africa. And then like the Mediterranean is right there. You just go up and especially if there was and there were a To land, get to Italy, you mean? Yeah, yeah. A land route, you just go, you know, it, depending. And there were times when the Mediterranean Sea was a lot shallower and there was this and that. And, you know, f- uh, water levels rose and fell. But that, I mean, it's just, you know, you just go up through the Middle East and, you know, Israel and, and uh, Syria and boom, you're in Greece and Italy and the whole thing. Or you could just, if you had boats back then, which they did, you just go across the Mediterranean and settle that. So there are where we were, I mean, that's where our species arose. And you go up into Europe and then out into Asia, down into the Indian subcontinent and all that. And then coming up through Asia, then people, there's all sorts of theories. The Bering Land Bridge, you know what that is? Mm -mm. Okay. Uh, When the last glaciation was um, in full force, the seas were so much lower that that area between if you visualize on a map between alaska and the soviet union right it's not mm-hmm. that much open sea that was a land bridge people could walk that way but there was so much ice there's been competing theories about did people come across that way did they at times then when the weather was a little warmer did they just follow the coast that was still there and come across into north america that way and the ages, uh, the times for that, when was North America first populated by uh, humans, there's a lot of debate on that. It's you know could be as long ago as 30,000 years to 15,000 years when they keep finding you know artifacts and they have to say, you know, were these man-made and, and does that mean there were people here? And then there's also some theories that people from Indonesia took boats and primitive ones across the Pacific, you know, to the Hawaiian Islands and then over to South America, you know, and that was a way for migration. But that was well after, this was, you know, tens of thousands of years after the species began because our species is about maybe 300,000 years old. And then by the time you spread into Europe and then, and then a lot of times these um, humans or early hominids, when they, they all spread out, right? And you have like Homo ergaster, uh, uh, um, Homo erectus, and all these other variations of, of the hominid line. When they would spread out, then the next better human or hominid came along. Then they would come and they would then overcome the others and the others would die out because they couldn't compete usually because of larger brains. 
and then and then Homo sapiens and Neanderthals actually coexisted and have commingled. Uh, they were some debate if they were a truly separate species, blah blah blah. But anyway, so you had all this competition, and and that's how it, why it took such a long time for people to get. Because if you think our species is three hundred thousand years, give or take, and then it wasn't until at the earliest maybe thirty thousand years ago that people came to North America. But some of the people were here before white man Europeans discovered us. The Vikings first, from Iceland to Greenland to Newfoundland, up in northern Canada, and then later on, almost five hundred years later or more, Columbus and the whole thing. So, so we started in Africa. You think? Yes, that's what they say. Uh huh. So, does Africa have the oldest structures? Like human uh, structures that were built? I, I'm i going to guess yes, but I, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to guess yes. The yeah, first the... signs of, 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 you know, humans, human building tools, first of all. Yeah. Burying their dead, which is another cognitive leap, you know, because, oh, because then you're thinking that there's something more. It's not, you're not just animals. You know, you're, you care enough and you believe enough that there's, you know, something about us that's special that you bury the dead instead of eating them or whatever. Right. Tossing them in the woods. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. I have another follow-up, but we will do tomorrow if uh, oh. if uh, Jerry Recco is out ill. He's never sick, though. So Never sick. Never. That's what CeeLo says when he's sick. Mm-hmm. I'm never sick. And Boomer. Well. <laughs> No one ever admits likes to admit that they're sick. Uh, I do, but I used to always just work, except the one you time just I show was up. in the ER. <laughs> and you were sent home one time, also. I, I was. That was on them. Yeah, <laughs> right. As you would, as Peter would say, not my fault. Not my fault. Not my fault. All right, let's do the warm up program. I did that with Peter Schwartz mm-hmm. this morning. See ya. See ya. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Well, good morning to you, and welcome to the warm-up program. When you hear my voice first, that means Jerry's not here. Jerry uh, was ill. Yesterday, I don't know if he went golfing with Boomer and Geo, but at uh, some point in the afternoon, we got a message that the Jerry was 
<coughs> there he is. He sent, <coughs> he sent a clip. <coughs> of, Jerry sent a, <coughs> sent a, <coughs> a clip over of uh, what Whoa. he's been doing. Uh, so, Mr. Peter Schwartz joins me today. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Al. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I was glad to hear uh, Marco Belletti at the top of the hour there play the clip of Tom Brady from his uh, Sirius XM. I don't know if it's a show or a podcast. I uh, don't listen, so I don't know. It's called the Let's Go. It's uh, He does mm. this with uh, Jim Gray. And Jim Gray asked him, of course, about the New York Jets. And he said, no, 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 no. Next question. Is that stop calling me from 6 to 10 suggesting Tom Brady? <laughs> I've been telling you people he's not playing. He's part owner of the Raiders. The Raiders. Raiders. Which wouldn't allow him to play. No. So stop. We've been through it all on these shows. You've mentioned every imaginable quarterback. I'll get a call today be like, you know who no one's mentioned yet? What about Tom Brady? Stop. No. <laughs> We've gone through every quarter. People are calling me during the week, you know, during Boomer and Geo. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have to screen the callers, and they're terrible, most of them. If you're a good caller, you get right through. Sure. You know what I'm saying, Peter? But I go through a, a, a tough screening process. Kind of like if you were a, uh, if you had a daughter, yeah, and the daughter wants to go out with Correct. a guy, you have you'd have to like run run them through the screening process. Correct, I would. I run them through the screening process. So uh, they'll always be like, um, oh, you know, who the Jets need to get the third string Bengals quarterback. No, <laughs> he's the third string Bengals quarterback. Or they'll be like, there's this guy that plays in Canada. When I was uh, doing sports radio in Tampa, Florida, mm-hmm. and we had Trent Dilfer. This was Trent Dilfer without the Ravens defense. This was just really bad Trent Dilfer. <laughs> and I used to produce the Tony Dungy coaches show. Mm-hmm. And back then, Jay Gruden, who was the brother of John Gruden. Played in the Arena Football League. For the Orlando Predators. Yes. And was and really well. good. Mm-hmm. Tony Dungy every week had to take calls. What about Jay Gruden? Have you looked, <laughs> have you looked at Jay Gruden? The NFL is just a different animal. How many great college quarterbacks have we seen fail miserably here? It's boomers explained it this week. Carson Wentz doesn't sound sexy, but the guy is more capable than third string Bengal quarterback. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a certain there's a short list of reality of who the Jets can get. Let me say something about Tom right. Brady. Let me say something about Tom Brady. Because I I've heard this not just now, but I've heard other people talk about this, family members, friends saying, What about Tom Brady? Yes. I'm gonna say something and I I, I don't want to sound like I'm speaking for all Jets fans. Well you have I the would, jet coat on today. Yes, I think you but, are speaking. But I'm for all I'm gonna Jets speak fans. on my own behalf. It's my feeling. I imagine other Jet fans might feel the same way. I would rather go 0-17 than see Tom Brady put a Jet uniform on. I just, I, he's done so much damage to me mentally in his career that I could just, I, I just wouldn't be able to enjoy it if he put a Jet jersey on. I, I would feel, I would have felt the same way if Michael Jordan came out of retirement back in the day and came to play for the Knicks because he caused you so much grief. How could you watch that guy? Put a Nick jersey on. You don't want your enemies 
becoming no. teammates. And I was fine with Wade Boggs and Roger Clemens pitch, uh, you know, playing for the Yankees. Yeah, why is that? Because they didn't do any damage to the Yankees while they played for the Red Sox. I mean, oh, what did the okay. Red Sox do while they were you know, playing for them? So it, it, to me, it's just because he caused so much irreparable harm to my brain that I would never want to see that guy put a Jet jersey on. Do you think uh, Evan Roberts would call him a mercenary piece of crap? Well, he's, well, he he's didn't, referred to. He didn't bounce around from team to team. Oh, okay. He went to, from one team to another. So that was so, so when Evan I says mean, that, that's that's like was Joe Namath a mercenary when he went to no. the Rams for the last year? I mean, just if you go to one other team to finish your career, yeah, then you're just hanging on. It's you not just, mercenary. It's, you're, you're a hanger honor. You're a hanger's honor, <laughs> like Zeke Elliott's doing right now with yeah, the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. So no, I don't think he's a mercenary. And if he got now, if he decides he wants to play again and comes to another team, then you can bring that. That argument up, but I don't think he is now. What would you describe Boomer? He played with the Bengals, then he went to the Jets, then he went to the Cardinals, then he went back to the Bengals. Well, that's an interesting. It, no, well, I don't know about that because he remember he was traded to the Jets. Okay. It wasn't his choice to go to the Jets. He was traded. Now I'm sure he wanted to come here, but he was traded, and then the Jets moved on from him after the third year. So it wasn't like he just decided, I'm going from here to here to here to here. Like, two of the situations were not his choice. Not his call. I did see uh, Garrett Wilson, which I was kind of happy to see this, um, Mr. Peter Schwartz. Garrett Wilson uh, talked about the Jets losing uh, 14 straight games to the Patriots, which is very embarrassing. And he said, quote, I feel like that's why they brought me here. Brought me and Sauce here and the guys here to make things like that change. How about this line? It's time we do what we get paid for. And where did he say that? I think he did it on. Uh, yeah, he did some interview program. Some interview program. Yeah. Uh, yesterday. Yes. Yeah, I agree with him. Or two it's days enough. ago. Uh, I think it was yesterday. What's today? Today is Wednesday. Okay, so maybe Monday. I think it was yet. No, I think it was I, Tuesday, Peter. Was it two, yesterday? Yes, Peter. today is Wednesday. Today's Wednesday, yep. So it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I thought I saw it yesterday. I saw it in... Yeah, uh, I agree with him. It's enough. I mean, go out and beat them yes. on Sunday. It's enough. It's enough. And I don't care who's playing quarterback, whether it's Zach Wilson, whether it's you know Tim Boyle, whether it's Al Dukes or Boomer Esiason, whoever it might be, 14 games in a row to one team is enough. I mean, I mean, you're home. The Patriots are 0-2. Go beat them. Go win the game. This is like the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. And if they don't win this game, they're not making the playoffs because they don't have enough. There's not enough wins left the on Jets? the schedule. Yeah, they ain't making the playoffs, Peter. I'm just I'm making the point. Okay, if they that if they were one. able to get enough wins somewhere down the road, whether it's Zach or whoever's playing quarterback, this has to be one of the wins. And if they don't win this game, the season is over. Everyone keeps saying the Jets have to go out and get another quarterback. Yes. But Randall Cobb's the emergency quarterback. And what else is he doing? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers ain't here. No one's going to throw him the ball. I just don't get how they can't, how they haven't been able to figure out that they need to get another quarterback on the roster. And I don't. I know you're not getting an all-pro quarterback, but you have to go out and get a guy that just can do the job and throw the ball short to the weapons and let them run with it. And it's clear that Zach Wilson is not that is not that guy. I mean, he can make a great, you know, fifteen yard pass down the middle of the field, but he can't complete a screen pass to a running back. And I said this last year: if the Jets had a competent quarterback, not a great quarterback, a competent quarterback last year, they make the playoffs. 
And whether they went out and got Aaron Rodgers or they went out and got Derek Carr this year, whatever, as long as they had a competent quarterback, they are a playoff team. So if they get competent quarterback play, whether it's from Zach or somebody else, they're still a playoff team this year. But if they, I don't think they exude any confidence. in They can say whatever they want. That team does not believe in Zach Wilson. And I can't understand for the life of me how they have not gone out and signed another veteran somewhere. I actually think uh, that they're going to go get Carson Wentz. I think Boomer's right. Boomer knows things sometimes. I think he does. And that's like, and no one's going to be thrilled with that. But I would, a, I would be happier with Carson Wentz than Zach Wilson right now. Is that right? I would, yeah. Eh, I'd still throw I've Zach seen, Wilson out I there. Mean, how much more could we see of a this guy? More. I need a couple more. No, I need to win on Sunday, Al. I need a couple more games. I need to feel good going into Yom Kippur on, on Sunday night. I need to have a win on Sunday. Yom Kippur is when is this? Sunday night it starts. Is that the sad holiday or yes, the happy holiday? Yes, it's the holiday? sad when you have to fast for oh, 24 hours. My goodness. Fast for 24 hours? Yeah. It's tough. I bet. But I would like to feel better about myself uh-huh. with the Jets win on Sunday. Because if the Jets lose on Sunday, that fast is going to be a lot more difficult. When does the fast begin? Sundown on Sunday till sundown on Monday. So you could eat like nuts on Sunday when you're watching football. Like to just watch, I could eat eat anything anything you want, through go, dinner. Okay, you know, and sundown depending on your level of religion. Yeah, is a very cryptic thing. No, no, some there's people, a time. I look on my weather map; it right, tells me exactly right. when but, sundown is. But I mean, is. but there are like if you're seriously, seriously religious, yes. there is a specific time you can't eat. Okay. Of course, there are other families that are not as religious, and you can kind of toe the line a little bit on when that starts and when it ends on Monday. When does it it end on Monday? Sundown on Monday. All right. Sundown to sundown. Yeah. And it's a lot easier with a win over the Patriots on Sunday. Sure would be. The Jets can please help us out. It sure would be. Now, two other – let me give you two Giants items. Mm Mm-hmm. One, why does Brian Dayball think that pretending that Saquon Barkley might play Thursday night? No one is buying it. The 49ers aren't like, who do we prepare for? They don't care. Just tell us he's not playing. Don't pretend. You're not fooling anybody. Not fooling anybody. By the way, if he went out there, I'd work. I'd go right after his ankle if I'm Nick Bosa. I mean. Work the ankle. Get him under the twisted ankle. Even if the ankle was not as seriously injured as we're led to believe that it is, that right. it would, he would be out for three weeks, like even if it was just like a mild sprain, like, you know what, if it was a regular work week, maybe you can be ready to play on Sunday. Why would you do that? Why would you risk him right. being out more weeks during the season? And again, it's the same thing. I mean, there's only a certain number of games on the schedule that you really feel you're going to win to make the playoffs. Why would you risk not having him for games down the stretch, at the risk of a game, you're probably not going to win with him anyway. Right. We've penciled in a loss for this one anyway. Win, loss. Right. That's yeah, a loss. Yeah. Everyone's got that as a loss. So yeah. You go one and two. I forget who they play after that. And by the way, I had I had the Jets losing in my win-loss, win-loss thing. Win-loss. I had the Jets losing to Dallas even with Aaron Rodgers anyway. Okay. So I that the loss doesn't bother me there. But again, for, but for the Giants' standpoint... You have this as a loss. Why would you risk getting him more hurt? And he's not. Then I agree with you. They're they're not playing him. So why right. why Just dance around us. the subject? I mean, you know. So yeah, they got the the Niners on Thursday. Then they get 
not only multiple days off because they're playing Thursday after that, but they don't play again till Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks. Right. So you, so you play him then if he's ready to go. I mean, if he's a quick healer, like Brian Dayball said quick yesterday, healer. he is. Or the other day he said that. Uh, then quick fine. Healer. Quick healer. Maybe he should put his uh, his foot in the uh, the water with the Dolphins making love, <laughs> like Aaron Rodgers suggested. I'd love to get them both since they're both in this area now. Although I guess Aaron Rodgers went home to California. I think he'll be back though. At some well, point. If we could get them in, uh, just get both of them together, Saquon and Aaron Rodgers sitting together with their feet in dolphin water. That'd be awesome. <coughs> it's a very sick dolphin who didn't make it in today. Because he's uh, that was Jerry as a yeah. dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> but his, uh, you could even hear it in his dolphin yeah. lovemaking noises that he was not feeling well. Yeah, I had a hunch I was coming in today. You did? Yeah. Yeah, I was listening and watching the show yesterday morning, and I, I didn't know what CeeLo's schedule was today, yeah. but as soon as I heard and saw Jerry, you were like, <coughs> yeah. I uh, I was proactive, Al, because you know you I are. have a busy schedule yes. and I have a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. I started to clear the schedule Oh, even before I got the text. I started to clear. I had two other appointments today. One was moved to later today. One nice was moved job. to tomorrow. So I was proactive as soon as I heard Jerry. Okay, good. Like, you know. Yeah, well, just wanted those... to make sure that I had the opportunity to come in. Yeah, those clips you heard. He is. Uh, he was a coffin man. Uh, and then the other New York Giant related item I have is this Kayvon Thibodeau. Remember, um, I don't know if you were listening yesterday that uh, there was a report from a known beat reporter, license plate guy. <laughs> a man who wears New York Giants themed license plates yeah, around his neck. Yeah, familiar with his work. Yeah, well, he took a video of the game the other day, and um, he showed uh, the Giants celebrating uh, Saquon Barkley touchdown, but Kayvon Thibodeau was sitting by himself sulking. Kayvon has come out and said that uh, he was not sulking, that he was praying, meditating, seeing, and visualizing what the Giants were going to do as a team to win. You buying that or not buying that? No, I'm not buying that. I'm kind of buying it. Nah. He's visualizing. Well, if Like if, the secret. You can't visualize with your teammates? No. He wouldn't, you can't meditate while I jumping mean. around with your teammates. I'm with him on this one. <laughs> That's a great answer. I, I think it's a BS answer. Mm. Come on, man. You just came back from 28-7 down? Yeah. And he was Celebrate visualizing with, the win. But they had won the game. What are you visualizing? They won. Was that the winning? No, they still had to kick they still had to get a field goal, didn't they? The are Giants? They, I think this was when it was uh maybe the to, when was the Saquon touchdown was uh Oh that was the was that the tie? I think the, that was the tie. That was the tie of the game. I think so. Yeah, but still so you're still down twenty eight to seven. You just you basically tied the game. I mean they yeah. Gano's not missing an extra point. Yeah, but you got to uh visualize the win. In fact, I would be giving him credit for the win. For oh, I think the Giants it. were winning that game when they made it 28-21. What did you have to I visualize? Agree. I agree with that. I had no faith in the Giants until it got to 28-21. What, no, then it was 28-21. I, I said the Giants are winning this winning game. Winning game. 28-14, okay. You know, you come down, you get a touchdown. Once it was 28-21, and I was watching the game with my son, I said the Giants are going to win this game. Yeah, because that 20 to nothing. we were flipping back and forth at that point because the Jets were getting their butts kicked. Right. When it was 20 to nothing. And then the Giants come first drive of the second half, 20-7. to seven. Here we go. Then the Cardinals go down and score. You think, ah, oh, this is over. 28-7. Mm-hmm. 
But you're right. At 28-21, that's when you knew Giants weren't losing this. Let's take a quick break here, Peter. Okay. I'm going to scroll down here. I've got some uh, other NFL notes. I've got a couple baseball notes. I have some media notes. I love sports media notes. i got a bunch of those. And then I have some weird headlines for you as well. At uh, 6 o'clock, Mr. Boomer Sison and Greg Giannotti will be with you from 6 to 10. Welcome back to the Warm Up Program. My name is Al Dukes. I'm with Peter Schwartz today. Jerry is a very ill. Very ill, Peter. I very ill. <laughs> yeah, he sent that clip in to let us know how yeah. he was doing. Uh, a woman um, gave birth at a, a 50 Cent show recently. <laughs> Strange. Like, Why would you be going to concerts if you were nine months pregnant? That's a good question. Yeah, I wouldn't. You're I don't go anywhere jumping now. jumping around. You know, at a, at a show, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if it's went, medically possible if that helps induce the labor. That could be. So you're saying maybe on purpose she went to see 50 Cent. Uh, this was in Washington State. Uh, she gave birth to a daughter at a 50, 50 Cent show. Then I was reading more into the article. I was like, let me, because this was a lengthy article. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like a woman gives birth at 50 Cent show. Uh, but I was, so I was looking and they go, uh, another woman. Recently gave birth at a pink concert at oh. Fenway Park. At Fenway Park? Yeah. Over the summer. She went to see Pink. <whistles> Out comes a baby. Well, that's definitely a show. I mean, she has a lot of up-tempo songs, so I would imagine, you know, jumping around. Again, maybe that is something that people do if they feel like the, 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 nothing's happening. Right. Or maybe they're overdue, mm-hmm. and they, wanna, they want that baby to come out. That wasn't the only one then, Peter. I dug a little deeper into this. So you're a good investigative reporter. And last year, a woman gave birth to a son at a Metallica show. Wow. Who do you think had the best medical response team, Metallica, Pink, or 50 Cent? Who was most ready, do you think? Peter, if you had to give birth, which concert would Where was you, the Metallica concert? Uh, in Brazil. I don't trust Brazil's medical team. I don't trust team. Brazil either, I don't know no. anything about them. Uh, the Pink was in Fenway Park. Fenway Park. And where was the uh, 50 Cent? It was in Washington State. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say Fenway. I'm, I'm gonna say Fenway too because yeah, I, I I've heard good things about doctors in Massachusetts. Right. Plus, in it's Bo- in the city of Boston. Yeah. Where they probably get a lot of uh, crazy things. Cities more so. It'd be like mm-hmm. if you said, like, would you rather give birth at the Garden? Yes, New York City always chaos. Yeah. Here. Best doctors. Best doctors. But I don't Alex, know goes, if, yes? if Metallica was in Boston, I would go with them more than Pink or Fifty Cent, just because. Because of Metallica's age, the guys, the Themselves, EMTs yeah. are already there. Yeah. For the, for the <laughs> band. Guys in the band. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. A pink is young, so she'd be last. Uh, 50 Cent is an older fellow now, Eddie. He was, Rolling uh, Stones would have even better uh, medical. That'd be perfect. There'd be someone yeah. on stage. They'll have embalmers <laughs> ready. <laughs> <laughs> Go see the embalmers. <laughs> Keith is Opening in there up right for now. The Rolling Stones. I see the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame has announced the 173 yes. modern era nominees. Here's the list. No, just kidding. 100. Uh, I was glancing at the quarterbacks. Yeah. There are some dullards in this, uh, mm. on this list. I mean, Mark Bolger. And remember, this is just the initial list. I mean, any uh, I know, but somebody, wha- somebody can be nominated. How is like Mark Bolger, D- Jake DeLome, Doug Flutie? What are we doing here, Peter? No. 
Peter, you this were is, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What are they doing over there? Uh, I well, I don't know who's nominating. There's yeah. a committee that nominates. It's not the actual Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think there's a just a committee of writers. I think if you get nominated, you get. No- but there's some legitimate names on that list. There are some. Randall Cunningham. Yeah. Mike Nick, Vick. Nick Mangold. Oh, he, he's not a quarterback, though. He's on oh, the I'm sorry. You're only on quarterback. I only was yeah. looking at I'm oh, sorry. I Peter, was the most important position in the NFL is quarterback. Someone's got to get him the ball, though. We don't care. Someone's got to get the ball to him. We don't care about linemen yeah. and that sort of thing, Peter. We're looking only at quarterbacks. I'd put Michael Vick in just for that one Monday night game when he was just lighting it up. Remember, I think he was on the... Uh, and for going into Green Bay and and winning a playoff game when nobody else had done that before, right? In a back long in the day, time. no one could. You couldn't even win a regular season game in Green Bay. Yeah, back in the day, that Monday night game where where uh, Michael Vick was lighting it up. It was Washington against Philly, and mm-hmm. I don't remember which he was on Philly, right? Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. I'd put him in just for that. Just for that. Just for the one game. Well, that's a Hall of Famer. Now, can Boomer be on this list, or once you're out a number of years, you're off the list? I think you're only on the list for a certain. Then you have to go to the senior committee. That's how Joe Flecko uh, got in. Okay, so Boomer, if he got up, I mean, for it's it. not out of the realm of possibility that if he is nominated for the senior group, he right. could get in. That sounds. I old. think that's already been <clears throat> determined for this year, oh. and he's not on it. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be on the senior list. But Nick Mangold, if he got in, that would get me back to Canton. Oh, you'd go back for I'd Nick go, Mangold, my son's favorite player. So okay. we would obviously go back for that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer, Nick Mangold? I think he will eventually, not first ballot, but I think he will eventually be in. I think you got to be a first ballot or, or you're out. You get one ballot, you don't get in. So, you know what but I mean? You can really only get, I'd say I, I, I feel the same way a lot about, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. If you're, if you're, if you're not a Hall of Famer on the first ballot, are you really a Hall of Famer? No. But when you only have a certain number of spots open in a class, then I think that goes out the window because if you can only put in a certain number of people, and remember, they've got a backlog of of other years where guys were eligible for the first time and didn't make it. So that's going to cause a little bit, unless you're Tom Brady, Dan Marino, you know, whoever, you know, first class without, you know, slam dunk first class players, but there are going to be those guys that will linger and not be in there on the first ballot because they have to catch up on others first. I think there should be another Hall of Fame where it's what you just said. For, what'd you call them? First class, like slam dunk. First, first class. Yeah, that's the Hall of Fame I want. The it, first class slam dunk Hall of Fame. See, I think Deion Sanders said it uh, when this, this just this past summer with the Hall of Fame with so many people going in, and he said there should be a top level to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like and then you have a, a second floor. Yeah. So that you so you you agree. Yeah, so there like should that. be that first level. Yes. Like go up to the third floor and you will see your elite. Now we've got the second floor that's mm-hmm. got just like they were really, really good, yeah. but they're not nearly as good as the guys on the top floor. Right. And the third floor, when they like, you first enter, that's like guys are like, Who was this guy? But he had like good numbers <laughs> for whatever Jake reason. Jake Yeah, Jake. Yeah, on the bottom <laughs> floor he is it. Here's the bust of Mark Bolger and Jake DeLome. Mike Tomlin, uh, you know him. He's uh, I've heard of him. Yeah, coaches Steelers. What do you make of this? Uh, fans were chanting "Fire Canada." They didn't mean the country, Peter. They <laughs> blame meant, Canada. Uh, they meant 
the offensive coordinator of the yeah. Steelers, Matt Canada. They've that, been calling for his head for a while there is in that Pittsburgh. Right? Yeah. They don't That's, like. Yeah, I think they want to change. Too conservative uh, play yeah. calling. Yeah. So they were calling his uh, for his firing. And they asked uh, Mike Tomlin about that uh, yesterday. And he said uh, he appreciates the fans' passion. <laughs> what would you, if you were, what's this guy's name? Matt Canada? Yeah. How would you feel about that if Mike Tomlin said, well, I appreciate their passion. He didn't really say, like, we shouldn't fire Matt Canada. <laughs> I would have liked a better, you know, pat on the back yeah. or something. You a know, seal defense. of approval. Yeah, I mean. Like, fire Matt Canada. Why, why? What's his? He's not doing anything wrong. Yeah, so, like, I, if, if that's me and the and that was brought to my attention, it'd be like, Matt Canada's my offensive coordinator. Yes. He's we done feel- a really good job. We feel that. He gives our offense the best chance to succeed and gives our team the best chance to win. Now, like, we appreciate the fans' yeah. feedback. Yeah. Almost as if you're thinking about like, firing. You know what? I wasn't thinking about firing Matt Canada till I heard the entire stadium chanting to fire him. If you owned a team yeah. or you were the general manager of a I'd team. I'd love to do either. Right. Either one of them. Would you take into account how fans feel? Yes. You would? Yeah. So you would make if if fans called into a talk show mm-hmm. at a sports radio station and said wherever you might be working, and said and like ninety percent of the callers say you have to trade player X. Yeah, we don't want. It. So you would listen to that and trade him. Yeah, like if I was like Woody Johnson, I'd be like I'd walk in and be like we gotta get a quarterback. You hear the calls to FAN? We gotta get a <laughs> get third. A quarter- guy. We gotta get a third quarterback in here. Yeah, that Peter Schwartz, he's upset. You know, yeah, you know, so I heard yeah. Peter Schwartz in an update really. Really giving us the business. <laughs> we better get in there. I, I well, we 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 hear that John Mara takes into account the fans. You know, we've heard many stories of people emailing John Mara. He always gets back to people, mm-hmm. and he listens. You know, you do need the fans to uh, come to your games and buy your merchandise and all those things. I think you have to take into account some of it. I think it's uh, important to listen to the fans when it comes to non on the field, on the ice, on the court matters. Like if you're a fan and you had a bad experience going to a game, whether it was at the concession stand or the bathroom or your seat was broken or something like that and nothing is done about it, then I can see going as far up. But, I mean, why why would an owner or a GM listen to a fan about player personnel or coaching issues? That's for you to decide what to do. And if you can't, if there's a problem and you can't identify it, then you shouldn't be in that job. You shouldn't be listening to the fans calling in a talk show about I, it. I'm saying not one fan. I mean, like, if there's a groundswell, like the entire stadium's chanting, fire Matt Canada, I'd be like, mm, maybe we got to fire this Matt Canada. But, like, if I get a random phone call that says, fire Sean Marash, <laughs> I'd be like, no. <laughs> Who do you think Spike gets most emails about to fire? I would... I would. I would think Sean probably. Yeah, I would. I got. I got to think based on everything you read on social media. I would think. That, yes, probably. But you can't listen to that. You can't listen to what the fans have to say. You have. To, you're, you're in charge. But there's certain- and you and you made the hire. And if you're comfortable with that hire, then you stick to your guns. You have to have conviction when you're in a a position of leadership like that. But I also think, you know, sports radio is different than actual sports teams because to me. If I'm getting all these emails saying fire Sean Marash, I'm like, we did something right. This Sean Marash is yeah. really getting under people's Pushing the skin. right buttons. Yeah, pushing the right buttons. So I would like that. Right. 
Well, I'd like to be the guy that he's getting emails about saying fire him. And you know what? If you didn't get those emails, that means people wouldn't aren't listening. Correct. The fact that you're getting people are still tuning in. Remember in um, uh, the Howard Stern in the Howard Stern movie, um, Private Parts. Private Parts. Yeah. When the executive comes in and said, like all the people who hate, yes. who like Howard Stern, can't wait to hear what he has to say next. And they, what about the people who don't like him? They can't wait to hear what he has to say next. So, like you know, it's. So what you're saying is Sean Marash is Howard Stern. I'm not saying he's Howard Stern. Oh. I'm saying I'm using it as an example of like people that even don't like yes. him and can't stand what comes out of his mouth are going to tune in the next day to hear the next ridiculous thing that comes out of his mouth. You know what I like? That Cinco de Fivo at 5 o'clock. You ever hear that? It's a highly rated portion of the program. I love it. It's my favorite part of the program. I will. I've said this before. If I'm like busy and have to turn the radio off, and I hear a tease for Cinco de Five, I'm like, <laughs> "All right." Has he been wearing uh, giant jerseys that don't fit? I haven't seen him. You haven't seen. I don't we, see him anymore. Uh, now we did that. We did that bit overnights on uh, down the hall. Where he wears he- uh, 30, 30, We did this thing one time uh, with Da. Thirty jerseys in thirty days, and he came in every day with a different giant jersey mm. and a lot of them did not fit him <laughs> anymore and actually i i took it upon myself to reach out to the giants and we got him a, a, a custom-made jersey wow. that fit him um for the last day of the 30 days but nice. yeah he had some real i would say beauties but no they were not beauty they were but tight they, they were tight but you do want i like when uh, the players in games wear a tight jersey you can't grab them well you have to yeah because yeah. you don't want people ripping it you know pulling you down by the Correct. jersey or you end up like that uh, Earl Campbell video where he's against the Rams and they're just ripping his jersey right mm-hmm. off. Peter, let's take a break here. Sure. When we come back, I've got some. Let me see which what I'm going to tease you with here. I'm going to do. Have to do with a white flag? Uh, I had a couple of football notes. I got okay. a couple of media notes I'd like to get to. Maybe even a baseball note or two. I'm going to have to go through these quickly, though, yeah. Peter. Then at 6 o'clock, Boomer and Gio will be here. Wake up, Peter. Good morning. It's the warm-up program. Uh, Jerry's out sick today. He was not feeling well at all yesterday. So Peter Schwartz is with me today. You'll be on updates from 6 to 10, yeah? I will. Okay, cool. Stand by for tomorrow, too, or we think Jerry will be okay for tomorrow. Mm, Or maybe Chris Lopresti will be here. Wow, a two-day-in-a-row Jerry off? That would be something. He doesn't like to take days off. He doesn't, no. Yeah, <coughs> oh, there he is. Well, if he sounds like that. We've got a live mic in his bedroom. Uh, we're going to check in on him occasionally during the show, and sounds like he's still coughing. So yeah. um, hopefully he gets that taken care of. It's a matzo ball soup. Yeah. Uh, this Blake Snell, what a wuss. Can't go nine innings. This guy's a wuss. I mean. Can't go eight. I know I'm a wuss, but I'm not a professional athlete. He uh, came out of the game in the seventh inning last night for the Padres with a no-hitter. And he had no problem coming out of the game. He said uh, that he told the manager, it's going to be tough for me to finish nine. He was already at 104 pitches. And as you said, Peter, this man has never gone eight innings in his career. What a, I'd love Nolan Ryan to get this guy right in uh, the headlock. and you do a Robin Ventura. <laughs> yeah, Robin yeah. Ventura him. Yeah. Blake Snell. Yeah, he I, looks like a... Yeah, well, he was kind of... A wise guy. He was kind of a, a wise guy, you know, early part of COVID. Yes. When he then he was the guy that referred to it as the Rona. The Rona, yeah. The Rona, he didn't yeah. Want to get no Rona. Come on, you can't. 
the Rona. Can't suck it up and try and finish a no hitter. It's not. It's you know. It's not like. It's not like it was like you know. I was you know. Give up two or three hits. I can't go any further. Yeah. You know. I'm not like. It. Don't you want a no hitter? I would. And I, I mean, could think almost... of a million pitchers that would like not want to come out of that game. Right. You know how uh, remember like after the Johan Santana no hitter, they were like, oh, that's the game that ruined his career because it hurt his arm. Okay, I got a no hitter. And I already got my paychecks. Right. Now I got a no hitter. Right. And no Who hitter. cares that I've ruined my career? Remember uh, David Cohn came out of a, I think it was even a perfect game at that point, wasn't what? it? When he came back from the aneurysm. He had an but aneurysm? Back oh, like in, a brain in, aneurysm? He, uh, a shoulder. Oh, a shoulder yeah. aneurysm. Maybe it was, was it an aneurysm? I, it was, there was, it was a, I think that's what they called it. But he came back from a serious injury in 96. I think you're 96. making this up. No, I'm not. He came out of Google a no-hitter David Cohn after seven innings because he had pitched too long. Too long. But I can understand that because he was it was his first start coming off of an, of the illness. Hmm. I tried to Google David Cohn aneurysm. Hold on. One problem. I don't know how to spell aneurysm. But I put David Cohn A-N and nothing came up David about aneurysm. Cohn, 1996. Now, if you have an aneurysm and you want to come out of a game, be my guest. If you're just tired because you threw 104 pitches, Blake Snell, you wuss. I wouldn't say that to his face. He still looks like <laughs> he could beat me up. Uh, yeah, here, here we go. Uh, David Cohn turned his already impressive comeback story into an amazing tale yesterday. When uh, I don't have to go through a paywall for you this. you got to pay for that, Peter. Oh, you gotta I got a Baltimore Sun. Get your credit card out, card out. Hold on, hold on. Uh, seven, and let's try the New York Times. All right, well, you look at that, Peter. I'm going to hit you with another baseball story. Yeah. And this is uh, Shohei Otani. It was an aneurysm under his right armpit. Oh, okay. There we go. The brain aneurysm, that's what you don't want. No, it was not a brain aneurysm. It was under his right armpit. I I thought the only aneurysms you could get were brain aneurysms. No. I didn't know you could get an armpit Left the game after throwing 85 pitches, Hmm. seven inning no hitter. And he said, I had an armpit aneurysm. Anyway, Shohei Otani yesterday had his elbow surgery, mm-hmm. and um, his uh, his doctor expects him to hit next. This is funny. Why the doctor would say this? Yeah. The doctor expects him to be able to hit no problem next season, and then he'll pitch again in 2025. That seems really far in advance. Like, you know what I mean? Like, far like, away. How could you see how he's going to do in his recovery? No, but even still, like, to say someone's, like, this may be 100% true that he's going to pitch in 2025, that feels so far away. Doesn't it? I think. It's only 2023. They wanted this doctor to say this yeah. so that they can still get a free agent contract. Right. And you know who this doctor is? Who? Same doctor that did the Aaron Rodgers surgery last week. Wow, this guy's famous. Yeah. That'd be cool to hang out in his uh, waiting room. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers showing up in there, Shohei Otani's elbow. How do certain doctors become famous? Like that guy in Alabama. Oh, Dr. James Andrews. <laughs> yes. Well, he was the one who created the Tommy John oh, surgery. He I don't know if he that? created it, invented it, or I just... saw him on Shark Tank. Sharks. Yeah. I have his new surgery that could fix pictures. <laughs> I'm Dr. Andrews. And the crazy thing is, like, now people, there are some parents, and I've, just, I've heard this from Uh-oh. having kids play ball. Yeah. There are parents who now want their kids to get Tommy John surgery <laughs> at a young age because they think it's going to prevent yeah. it from happening down the road. Those sound like really good parents. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, let's get you your sh- kid <laughs> surgery when it's mm-hmm. absolutely not necessary yes. so that you may not have to have surgery when he's 
old enough to pitch in college or yeah, something. Yeah, and get that kid making some money for the family instead of freeloading yeah. off the parents. <laughs> Quick break here, Peter. I've got one more story for you on the okay. other side. Uh, but first, Amy Lawrence has Amy. a uh, sports minute, and it's about the Browns and should they sign Mr. Kareem Hunt? <laughs> It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. Welcome back to the warm-up program. Jerry's out sick uh, today, but I heard he golfed, which is interesting. Eddie's not gonna, not gonna mm-hmm. be a fan of that. You know what I yeah, mean, Peter? Yeah, that's like Eddie wouldn't like if uh, like John Minko called out sick, but then also did the St. John's, John's game. Yeah, game, that's yeah. like Eddie thinks we're being that the fans being treated poorly. In that way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the timeline's interesting because it was about ten after ten yesterday yeah. that I was alerted to be ready at ready to go. Oh, is that right? Then it was a little bit later on in the day where I was told I was mm. coming in. That you were so, confirmed. Yeah. So you were told stand by. Yeah. Clear your schedule, Peter. I did. And then you were going oh, to. I cleared the schedule oh, before I was before I. They you were getting ready. I I felt the coming. Okay. You know, it's it's two different days. Yesterday was a different day than today. Right. So it's not like he took today off to go play golf. Oh, I see. So yesterday he was golfing, felt really ill. Yes. And then was and like. And then decided, you know, I, I just, there's no way I can get in in right. the morning. Okay. That's I, all. That's all I appreciate was. that. Well, but if he was, he was already not feeling well, perhaps go home rest instead of going out and oh. golf. Hmm. Well, I think, I think the fresh air and the walk and being out in the sunshine right. actually helped him. Yeah. You, this is a very debatable topic. I'm sure we'll debate it through four hours this morning. Yeah. I had some callers yesterday tell me that they've played their best rounds of golf when they were very ill. I think Jerry could probably say on the back nine yesterday he played great. Really? Yes, he did. WFAN FM HD1. New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app.